This is Janelle Wood, and you are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and I'm excited that you're listening in for season six, where we typically start out each month with a different young woman sharing her faith story and also allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and Christianity. This month, our first episode introduced Alice from Sweden, and Alice shared about growing up in a culture where God wasn't something that was discussed, Um, and she admitted she never really thought much about his existence. For her, faith maybe has seemed pretty irrelevant, and she's 18 years old. I loved Alice's willingness to be open about that and still come on this podcast. And if you haven't already, I highly recommend you go and check out the first episode with Alice and hear her story. We'll put a link in the show notes and you can find those over at findingsomethingreal.com. Alice couldn't be here for this recording. She said she already had some plans. But Alice, I really hope you're listening later because today's guest has a long history of creating environments where skeptics feel comfortable enough to share their faith objections with him. Today, we have on one of our favorite returning guests. He's been on this podcast several times at this point. He's here to share about his latest projects and also maybe answer at least one of Alice's questions. He is a devoted husband, father of four, an Oxford graduate, highly sought after speaker and accomplished author. He's also the former editor of Premier Magazine, the leading Christian magazine in the United Kingdom. And he is probably most well known as the presenter of Premier Christian Radio's flagship apologetics and theology debate weekly program called Unbelievable, a show he hosted for over 17 years, bringing Christians and non-Christians together to engage in conversations around ideas and objections leveled at the Christian faith. I love his ministry, and what he has done has been an inspiration here on the Finding Something Real podcast, and I'm very excited to hear more about his current projects, including his new book that is available this month. I'm truly delighted to have him here. Welcome back, Justin Brierley. Oh, thank you very much, Janelle. Gosh, that was a that was a long list of, of things. <laughs> I, I forgot I'd done half of those things, but yes, it's <laughs> very nice to be back with you. No, you didn't. <laughs> well, Justin, <laughs> since you were on here last year, um, some things have changed for you. You left Unbelievable. I was mentioning to you before we hit record here that I may have teared up when I listened to that last episode oh. that you hosted. Um, it left me and others feeling kind of sad. So why did you do that? Why did you leave Unbelievable? Well, it it was it was the right time, and honestly, there were there were a lot of God incidences for me that that were really pushing me to think. Actually, yeah, probably the time's come for me to to spread my wings, to to start some new projects, uh, to to kind of yeah, start doing some some of the things that I could only really do, you know, in my own capacity and uh, without being tied into the radio station so much. So um, so I'm sure I I will you know. Um, be visiting the team again and doing things in the future but for the moment I'm really glad to be to be yeah just concentrating on some new projects hopefully continuing in the same area you know with what I established with Unbelievable which is cultural apologetics creating those conversations that bridge the secular and Christian divide Um, but doing it in some new ways so so I'm, I'm quite excited about yeah what this new season brings. Yeah now is Vince Vitale is he co-hosting that or what's going yeah, on yeah so there i think now? so at the present i think they're they're trying out a, a, a variety of different program formats some new hosts uh vince has presented a couple of shows i know others have also hosted some dialogues and discussions interviews that kind of thing um so i think they're just sort of doing you know just seeing 
testing out a few different formats, a few different hosts and seeing what happens next. But I think, you know, the commitment is still there to, to continue the conversations on culture and science, faith, ethics and so on. And um, yeah, so I'm cheering them from the sidelines now. It was it was a very bittersweet thing, of course, to say goodbye to the show. Uh, that last final one that you listened to was essentially uh, uh, looking back over 17 plus years of doing the show and and even I, you know, got quite emotional, even though I was hosting and putting it together because it, uh, yeah, you realize, gosh, just how much has happened in that time. And uh, it's been, an, it was an amazing journey. And, you know, everything I'm doing now is is very much part and parcel of that journey that has gone before. But yeah, it felt like the right time um, to 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 kind of stretch my wings and and try and do some new things that I feel God has been calling me to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to talk to you about that here in a second. But real quick, I do know that that library of 17 years, it's still discoverable, right? People can mm, still go absolutely. and they can look it all up, which I've done in the past. You know, I've looked up uh, conversations that you've had with Elisa Childers and um, I'm trying to think of some of their John Lennox and N.T. Mm. Wright and Richard Dawkins. And for somebody who's not familiar with that program, who's listening to this going, oh, I'm not really sure what they're even talking about. Would you give a brief commercial of what sure. Unbelievable is? Because I feel like it's such a unique premise, Justin, and it's done something really remarkable for um, bridging you know, conversations, creating conversations that people can listen to. So if you wouldn't mind sharing yeah, a little bit more about that. Well, I started Unbelievable, as I say, about 17 and a half years ago primarily initially just as a, a radio show but on a christian radio station in the uk and it was to bring christians and non-christians together in dialogue because i was aware that the christians who listened to our station you know it was helpful to give them encouraging christian service sermons and music and so on but at the end of the day they lived you know next door to their non-christian neighbors friends and family and so I wanted to model good conversations. And that's really what we tried to do over the following 17 years. And it we eventually ended up featuring a lot of the most high profile, both Christians and atheists in in, in the kind of intellectual sphere. Uh, but we did a lot of shows just between, you know, regular people, as it were. And we also did a lot of conversations between Christians of different flavors different theological traditions so in a way it was it was for me a, a big theological education in as much as it was about helping me to understand my christian faith and how to engage with it in a sort of intellectually robust way mm. um so i i i kind of you know look back on it as as an a, a training ground really uh, and i think many other people have as well um i know that you know you say that you've benefited from it as well yeah. janelle and and I hope that, you know, it encouraged many others. And I think there's been a, a, a huge number who have gone on to do other things in this kind of area of, you know, being willing to expose themselves to other worldviews, to have open dialogues and things. And so I'm really glad the show was able to to help to, you know, begin that happening more more generally in the Christian church. Yeah. Well, I know there's been a couple of times where I've booked a guest uh, on a certain topic here for finding something real to talk and dialogue with a young woman. And all of a sudden, you know, when I'm researching that guest, I'll find Unbelievable with Justin Brierley and I'll <laughs> find Paul Copan or Doug Grothaus or whatever. <laughs> like, I already listened to this episode, I know. <laughs> so it's been really, really fun. Um, and you have, Good. you really did inspire a lot of what we do here. Um, so I know that uh, you are doing some new things, including a new book, and I'd love for you to share more about mm. about that, the things that 
um, are captivating you at the moment and the things that you're talking about at the moment? Well, the new book is called The Surprising Rebirth of Belief in God, Why New Atheism Grew Old and Secular Thinkers Are Considering Christianity Again. Um, and, and in many ways, it, it reflects the fact that I found that the nature of the discussions that I was hosting on the show changed quite a lot over the years. The show began very much in the heyday of the new atheism when that was all building up ahead of steam. And for those who don't know, new atheism was this sort of cultural movement, very aggressive, dogmatically anti-theistic sort of atheism led by people like Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, Daniel Dennett, Sam Harris. And so we featured a lot of those kinds of quite combative debates between those sort of figures and their Christian Christian counterparts over the years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, quite dramatic, quite fun in, in many ways, um, because there was a real sort of, in a sense, you know, question to answer when it, those guys came on and, you know, were asking difficult questions and, and so on. But I did notice that the movement itself kind of ran out of steam sort of over the course of about a decade or so. And um, increasingly, those conversations were replaced by more nuanced conversations, less bombastic ones, ones where quite often the non-Christian guest would be more sympathetic to the Christian worldview. And they might have a real respect for the religious tradition or the values and the heritage of Christianity in the West. Um, and I started to notice that the, the 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 audience that had been turning up for new atheists like Richard Dawkins increasingly seemed to be changing their allegiance to some of these new thinkers, new secular thinkers who seemed to be more open to the value of Christianity. They weren't sort of dismissing God out of hand. They were actually willing to say, actually, there might be something that uh, religion and Christianity has been useful for in, in our culture. So one of the preeminent examples of this was, was um, Jordan Peterson, who sort of came on the scene probably for a lot of people in 2018 uh, when he kind of rose to fame following a a viral interview he did with a Channel 4 news presenter here in the UK called Kathy Newman, and they were kind of going back and forth on the gender pay gap. But he sort of got this, he, he became this somewhat of a rock star figure in the world of psychology and philosophy. And, um, and he was sort of immensely popular with young men who seemed to be looking for purpose and meaning and identity. He seemed to be a sort of wise father figure to them, dispensing kind of common sense advice with a sort of psychological twist. But very frequently that advice was given sort of in the context of biblical wisdom. Uh, he frequently referenced the Bible in his best-selling book, 12 Rules for Life. He packed out lecture theatres with three-hour lectures on the book of Genesis, you know, and this was not a Christian person. And and it was fascinating to me to see the way that Jordan Peterson was appealing to essentially similar kind of audience to the new atheist, but he was offering, um, yeah, biblical wisdom. He was open to the idea that there might be something like God um, and asking whether we can actually live without something like God. So he was sort of at the forefront of of this movement. And, and then I've noticed lots of other interesting similar figures who weren't necessarily believers themselves, but who were asking whether actually the new atheists had really got things sort of out of whack, whether actually there's more value to religion than we'd realized, um, what we do in the absence of religion, whether all the competing stories and ideologies that began popping up in culture um, were ones that could be married together or, or whether we had lost something by losing a sort of overarching Christian story of who we are and what we're here for. Uh, and so I, I outline a number of the, the the new thinkers in this book who I've noticed and have had these conversations with. 
and and I've at the same time I've noticed just an intriguing sort of number of stories of people who have been crossing from atheism to Christian faith. Um, these are serious intellectual adult people who have gone on that journey for a number of different reasons. But overall, the picture is that that the Christian story ultimately made sense of the the thing that they were looking for, the story that they were searching for. And so it just made me wonder whether we might be seeing a bit of a sea change, as it were, in our culture, away from that sort of very sceptical, new atheist kind of approach. And people kind of almost opening the door again to the possibility of God, because often it's when the stories we are telling ourselves, when they cease to give us satisfactory answers. And I think just for many people, the new atheist story just didn't answer most of their basic fundamental questions. And lots of the other sort of stories we're telling ourselves in a very postmodern me first kind of culture um when those are running out of steam and not not giving answers i think i think the christian story is always there and i've just been interested to see the way it seems to be coming back in there seems to be a turning of the tide on this atheist materialist story and the christian story so that uh th so that's kind of the, the 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 basic sort of you know premise of the book that we're the conversation is changing and i think the tide may be turning and christianity may be due for a, some kind of a revival even even within our generation wow well i love this passage that you share in the beginning of your book um you talk about science being a poor substitute for a savior and you say quote science can tell you how the universe arose but not why it is there Science can tell you what you consist of, but not what you are worth. Science can generate solutions to poverty, but not the compassion to implement them. And science can make you money, but not purchase a meaningful existence. And uh, I mean, you just spoke to some of that right there. It's like <laughs> you can adapt to this worldview of Dawkins and Hitchens and all these other guys. But what do you do about the need for meaning, the need for purpose, mm. you know? Um, so I... I love, I mean, every time you've been on here, Justin, you've spoke to it. And I think it's because you've had these really robust, rich conversations with people. But you have this pulse on the culture that I think a lot of people, you know, you, you can kind of see it in like a hazy form, but you seem to know exactly what you're talking about because of the conversations that you've had. And if I'm not mistaken, you've interviewed Jordan Peterson, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I did yeah. back in 2018. Funnily enough, it was it was just before he kind of skyrocketed into <laughs> sort of, you know, cultural popularity. He had just released his best-selling book, what would become his best-selling book, 12 Rules for Life. And he he was kind of doing his first sort of mini tour of the UK. And I, I distinctly remember when I, I'd kind of heard of him, people have been recommending him saying, hey, there's this guy, this Canadian, Jordan Peterson, you could get him on your show, he's saying some interesting things. I managed to finally book him when he was over in due to be over in the UK. But I, as the day drew nearer for us to record this show and he was going to come on with an atheist psychologist called Susan Blackmore, the publicist sort of got in touch with me and said, oh, we, we're going to have to whittle down the time I've given you. This guy turns out to be incredibly popular. <laughs> you know, I keep getting requests to, to have him on. And they, they'd booked a sort of a theatre for a kind of lecture and they had to then like book it out two more times because it sold out immediately. And um and it was interesting to see the way that that his sort of star rose in that way. He became something of a cultural phenomenon. Now, mm -hmm. he's you know likewise there are sometimes people who've never heard of him. So it depends on which circles you move in. But it was interesting to me the way that that he yeah suddenly he just seemed to take off, and just just how open he was about you know talking about issues around faith, um, sort of talking about the God question in a very sort of 
psychological Jungian Peterson type way. So you yeah. you know, when I asked him, you know, well, do you believe in God on my on the show he came on, he he sort of dodged it slightly and said, Well, it depends what you mean by God. And he said, I live my life as though God exists, um, and this kind of thing. But even that is a far cry from, you know, the Richard Dawkins kind of answer, where it's just very a very sort of straightforward down the line no of course not and it's ridiculous to do so 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 he's been a fascinating character and many christians have sort of you know been following with interest his journey as he seems to teeter almost on the edge of becoming a sort of a christian of some sort so so yeah he's an interesting character he is very interesting you know i've tried to listen to him a couple of times and by the way if you've never heard of him before I'm sure you've heard his voice because he's voiced over a ton of TikToks because he says really insightful things in this really <laughs> deep, grovelly voice, right? So he makes for great viral content. Um, mm. But he also, you know, I've tried listening to his podcast before and I'm thinking, I don't even know what this guy's saying half the time, you know, because he is, and I have a background in psychology, Justin. It's not like right. I don't know, you know, some of this stuff, but I'm thinking, what is he trying to say? Where is he landing on this? Um and so just given the fact that you've kind of followed his journey, what do you think keeps him? Oh, I mean, obviously, this is between him and God. But what do you think keeps him from uh, the Christian faith? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think there are some people who 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 are just wired differently and and they're not necessarily going to take, you know, a normal path, as it were. It, what's interesting with Jordan Peterson is he has, I think, very deliberately surrounded himself with people who are religious especially christians you know he's had a number of conversations with um bishop robert Barron, who's who's a well-known sort of catholic bishop or well known for his ministry on youtube and social media um jonathan pajot who's a um an orthodox icon carver who he's done a number of shows and uh events with and and his wife tammy has become a very devout catholic um in recent years his daughter um, Michaela has become a Christian in the last couple of years. So it's it's almost as though everything around him is kind of, you know, <laughs> turning in that direction. And he himself seems to almost be there when you listen to some of the things he says. He he speaks in such way, ways that often just sound like he practically is, you know, a believer. But you, do, you I, I think I think there's still a sense in which I, I get the sense very often from the way he speaks about God and faith he still essentially approaches it as a kind of metaphorically true kind of mm -hmm. level, but he's not willing to quite commit to the sort of idea that it's actually true sort of, at a sort of, you know, metaphysical level, if you like. And, and he sort of still holds that perhaps at arm's length. Um, I don't know. I mean, there are some, you know, I've heard another person say, well, I, I think Jordan Peterson is a Christian. He just, he's a Christian in his way. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, sometimes who are we to judge exactly what's going on in the heart as, as he says himself often, you know, we are barely transparent to ourselves as human beings. You know, we, we, we really have no idea why we believe what we believe sometimes. And so the best marker is, is, is actually the way you act. The things you do say more about your faith than necessarily what you say you believe. So um, I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in a sense, happy to give him the benefit of the doubt he seems to often from the things i've seen him say and in discussions he's had seems to to regard jesus as somehow the preeminent archetype of what goodness compassion justice mercy all the things you know the heroic figure you know he sees that all in the story of christ in in a way that is unparalleled anywhere else um so i just hope that he meets <laughs> Christ for real. You know? And maybe <laughs> it, yeah. actually declares yeah. that. 
Yeah. <laughs> he believes we'll in see. God. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you may know of this guy, but there's a guy named Richard who I've met in person, and I also follow him on social media. He goes by the Faithiest Atheist online. He's an insightful guy. Um, but just today, actually, he posted this, and it made me think of your book because I, I was researching it to conduct this interview. He says, I don't think atheism is the future. I think the dominant worldview is about to be something like, I believe in a higher power. No other rules other than what each person likes at the time. In fact, uh, this might already be where we are. It's just that people are still using words they grew up with, but without the meaning that applied back then. Well, what do you think, Justin? Is uh, Richard, the faithiest atheist, right in uh, that assessment? It sounds like he's got similar uh, thoughts as you do in your book. Friend, if you're enjoying this episode, you may also enjoy exclusive bonus content each month. Finding Something Real is a podcast that has some costs associated with it. We have a website, monthly subscriptions to stay organized. We design things. We like to pay an assistant producer who keeps things going around here, that kind of stuff. We're not in the business of trying to make money, but we are in the business of wanting to keep this show going and be sustainable. So we use Patreon, and if you haven't heard of it, Patreon is the best place for creators to build memberships by providing exclusive access to their work and a deeper connection with their communities. Each month, patrons who support Finding Something Real get a bonus episode where we recap the month's episodes. Often those episodes feature our co-hosts, and they will often share what this journey was like. There's other perks over there too, and it's easy to get involved. Just go to findingsomethingreal.com and click support at the top of the page. We'd love to have you over there in our Patreon community. Hi friend, this podcast is sponsored in part by Faithful Counseling. Life is full of ups and downs, unexpected twists and turns, and sometimes we struggle with all that can come our way. Faithful Counseling will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist who is also a practicing Christian. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And as someone with a master's degree in counseling psychology and whom at various times in the past 20 or so years has benefited from seeing a professional therapist, I know the value that professional counseling can bring because we all need someone to talk with and faithful counseling can help. Please visit faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real to sign up for professional faith-based counseling. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. There's also a special offer for finding something real listeners to get 10% off your first month at faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real. Thanks again to Faithful Counseling for being a sponsor of this episode. I, I think there's some truth in that. I think that I don't think atheism is the future. I think we're living in a moment in the West where atheism has, as it were, made great strides forward since sort of enlightenment um, uh, times and so on. There's been this kind of increasing secularization. Um, and there's been over the last several decades, fewer and fewer people kind of subscribing to organized religion, essentially. But that hasn't sort of translated into that many of those people actually becoming sort of scientific materialists of the Richard Dawkins variety. I mean, the fact that here in the UK and increasingly in the US, the majority of people are kind of 
now kind of ticking the sort of no religious affiliation box rather than any specific religion um they're not ticking the kind of atheist box alongside that in fact that it's just that they're they're kind of in the way that the faithiest atheist said um <laughs> a lot of them do subscribe to like have a vague belief in something they 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 kind of are spiritual but not religious you know they still sometimes pray um quite a lot of them engage in you know new e eastern practices you know um uh there's there's kind of even a rise in things like um people dabbling in the occult and things like that so mm -hmm. there's a sense in which that religious instinct never goes away um and even if you try to stamp out the Christian version of it, it pops back up in other ways. Um, so, and and again, looking on, on just on a global level, interestingly, even as we speak, even though secularism is on the increase in the West, as, as a global sort of proportion of the global share, as it were, um, uh, non-religion or atheism is actually uh, shrinking as a percentage of the global population, simply because parts of the world which are more religious have more children and they tend the faith gets passed on so as a, as a percentage of the whole in fact atheism is is declining uh, at a global level interestingly so so it's a, it's an interesting picture it's not as simple as you sometimes think when you just look at the statistics about church going and that kind of thing um what that means for the christian church of course is another question <laughs> because yeah. obviously simply sort of having a lot of people who sort of are spiritual but not religious doesn't mean that they're necessarily that inclined to go into a church or believe the christian story any longer so i think that's where where you've got sort of you know an interesting moment for the church to to decide well in an increasingly post-christian post-church world but where people don't seem to have cancelled god altogether as a possibility what you know, how do we present our message in, in that context? Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that? Because that was my <laughs> next question. I mean, and I'll just share this. You know, I was on an immersive uh, missions trip uh, just a couple of months ago here this summer. It was with an organization called Maven. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, but as mm -hmm. part of um, the purpose of that trip is to prepare Christian teenagers and then send them off to have faith conversations with people who don't believe the same way that they do. Um, and I'll put a link in the show notes for anyone listening who's interested in this. It's awesome. But Maven is creating a really special opportunity for kids to really dive deep into what they believe and to be exposed to other worldviews in an environment where they feel safe to express questions and doubts. And I'll tell you, as a leader, when the atheist comes to share their worldview, in many ways, I find it much easier to identify and differentiate their beliefs from a Christian worldview than this new wave of what I might call a choose your own adventure um, mm. kind of worldview. In fact, I was in preparation for this talk, I was listening to you and Sean McDowell talk a little bit about this. And I'm really grateful for people like you who see all of this, you know, you know Tom Holland and um, Jordan Peterson talking about faith as this really positive thing. But as a Christian, um, do you think... Um, there's something concerning about people talking about spirituality in general terms, but not talking about the need that we have for a savior and the fallenness of this world. Mm. Um, and and mm. how do we respond as Christians to that? Yeah. All, all really good questions. And I think I agree that, that there is this sort of, I love the way you, you term it, choose your own adventure sort of version of spirituality. 
and and in the book i talk about the fact that we, we we've largely turned as a culture into a kind of choose your own identity choose your own meaning choose your own purpose kind of that's that's kind of what we expect you know it's it's you know the fact that you can have your coffee 20 different ways in in starbucks and you can have your completely personalized music list on spotify and everything else we live in this very sort of um you can choose kind of culture mm -hmm. don't we and i think yeah. that the same has happened in our you know people don't want a kind of pre-established script like the christian story that feels a bit sort of too uh inflexible and and as though you know they're they're not being given the choice that they're used to these days i think i think where where do you engage that as a christian i th i think you first of all start with where people are and you you look at the things that they are experiencing the things that they are passionate about and so on you know this is exactly what the apostle paul did when he went to mars hill in athens and and spoke to the people there about the way they conceived of god and reality and he said you know i've seen all these sort of images to gods and i see that you're a very religious people i'd say the same today i think people are still quite religious they're just religious about different things um people are very passionate about certain issues like certain social justice issues there are people who are in, in, you know incredibly invested in certain political issues in certain um uh, uh justice issues in certain um you know whether it be sports or a particular passion for art literature film whatever and and there's always some somewhere where someone really invests someone's got thinks of something as having real value that there's a real purpose or point usually to, to someone you know that there's there's something and i think you start there because at least there you have a meeting point i think you can say well look why why what why is this so important to you what what do you get out of this what difference does it make in your life how does that kind of give you a sense of meaning and purpose and identity and from that, I think you can begin a conversation. It's not necessarily going to immediately end up at Jesus Christ, but there is a sense in which, in the end, I think all of those things are pointing to a bigger story. Um, we, As I say, we live in a, a world of lots of people with kind of individual stories. The question is, how do we make sense of those individual stories? Are we just sort of meant to, you know, find our identity through sort of trial and experiment and everything else or or and the problem is that i think a lot of people are finding that really difficult actually mm -hmm. i think part of the reason why a lot of young people today are experiencing you know un, untold sort of levels of anxiety depression and everything else is partly because we do live in a culture where it's it, it, it's really tiring it's really difficult to navigate that and to to know who you're supposed to be what causes you're supposed to be pledge your allegiance to how to to be sort of you know the person that you're required to be you know in so many ways especially with the onset of social media and and all of the additional challenges that brings and i think people are are actually very often and this is why i, I think so many have flocked to people like jordan peterson it they're they're kind of getting tired of that sort of make your own adventure thing it, it it's it only works for so long and then it becomes incredibly burdensome it becomes really difficult actually uh and people realize that very often they're 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 not living in a sort of a way in which actually really fulfills them they they're having to strive so much to to kind of maintain these identities and these these things 
So I think you start with where they're at. You ask, well, what what's really important to you? And then you find a way of helping them to see that their story is actually only makes sense in light of a much bigger story where there is a sense of who they are, their purpose, their identity, what, what, where meaning comes from. And that will be a, a, you know, a story that goes back to God, that goes back to Jesus Christ, that goes back to the big story that frames all of these other stories, but getting there, you know, isn't necessarily going to be, you know, simply like you said, sometimes it's easier with an atheist where you know exactly where they're coming from. They, they've got very, definite kind of way of, of looking at the world and and some in some ways those are almost easier conversations because you can you can at least agree on the, the foundation uh you know and you can start immediately getting into the god stuff you know is there a god what whereas i think you have to take a little bit of a different route with people who are perhaps just haven't considered god and a less sort of aware you know just may, maybe maybe um, a more agnostic slash you know vague about those kinds of things but do but start with the things they are more certain about which is the things that they're they're passionate about that that would be where i would begin anyway yeah that's really good advice i was just thinking as you're talking about alice you know and about um her i would say ambivalence towards god at this point in her life you know or she's just not sure that he even it even matters whether there's a god and if he exists what difference would that make um, and that was actually one of her questions, you know, what difference does um, being a Christian actually make and how does religion affect your life? So, um, Justin, in line with what you were just talking about, um, you know, why why Christianity versus choose your own adventure? Would you mind mm. tackling mm. that a little bit? So if I had Alice here, I, I'd want to ask her all kinds of follow-up questions yeah. inevitably, because it's much easier to answer that question, knowing sort of where it's coming from and, and what Alex's, Alice's own experience have been um, of, of, you know, that ambivalence towards God and so on. What what I would say is that what, what difference does it make to be a Christian? Um, I think the first thing simply that I would point out is that the good life, you know, and there are many people kind of chasing different routes to a good life. I'm sure Alice is is looking for a good life, a fruitful life, a, a fulfilled and flourishing life where she makes a difference in the world. And she may ask, well, why, why would I need Christianity to be able to do that? You know, mm -hmm. the first thing I want to say is um, Christianity has actually provided, very often people don't realize this, but has provided the framework for many people to achieve that vision of, of life. Um, we live in a culture which, although it is very post-Christian, is still marked by all kinds of assumptions about what the good life is. Um, usually, most of the non-Christians and atheists I meet, they believe in the idea of human rights, equality, dignity, freedom, progress. But those ideals and values don't just come from nowhere. They, they don't come from atheism. They don't come from science. They don't come from sort of pure reason. They come very specifically, and you mentioned earlier Tom Holland, who's a, a really interesting historian, again, a secular historian here in the UK. But but he and others, I think, have shown, I think, really beyond much historical doubt that the reason we believe in those things, especially here in the West, is because of Christianity. It really, was really the Christian revolution 2000 years ago that got the ball rolling to the point where we now enshrine things like human rights in legal declarations and we we believe that you know 
it's right to show compassion to the poor and the vulnerable rather than to leave them to to die and be sickly um you know we why did we abolish slavery in the end and you know are almost the first culture in the world not to where slavery is not just a given you know as it was in the pagan world and still exists frankly in other parts of the world today uh it's because of christianity that and now that's not to say there isn't a checkered history obviously of christendom and there's been failures and all kinds of things marking it but but there is still just a very clear trajectory from the person of jesus christ what he represented the things he said the things he taught and the way that the early church followed his example that leads to alice today basically and her way of looking probably at the world whether or not she may realize that and um i hope i'm not speaking out of turn by sort of talking about alice in in the third person when i've never met her but anyway (laughs) she knew that this was going to happen it's totally fine you go right (laughs) so i would want to first of all just point out to someone that that they may not realize actually just how christian their worldview is in fact that 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 and and ask you know why do you believe that it's important you know if I don't know if Alice is, say, you know, wants to make the world a better place through environmentalism or through, you know, ensuring a fairer share of, you know, resources uh, in some way. Well, why? Why is that important? Why shouldn't we just, you know, be selfish, live for ourselves, do what we want, you know, put put ourselves first and so on? Um, and I don't think many people necessarily stop to think about that. Um, what's the kind of the basis for the for for the choices we make in our life? But I think it's very difficult to to cut to sort of weave one out of thin air, if you like. You know, to some extent, we simply are a product of the culture we live in, and we have this very deeply ingrained in us in the West that that there, we have this responsibility to act justly, kindly, fairly um for others and and to that extent i'd i'd want to just gently suggest that that didn't come from nowhere that that there's a reason why we we hold to that and then there's the question of well given that that's sort of what we want to do with our lives um you know how do we go about doing it what's what's the best way of doing it and and again i would say that um history shows that actually christianity has given a kind of a a bedrock for for that in the past that that many of the institutions that you know have have cared for people have done things that, you know have produced some of the greatest works of art and literature and so on have been christian um and that likewise that faith that there is a sort of reality beyond ourselves something bigger than ourselves if you like has actually fed into that vision for so many people it's been something that causes them to to want to work for a better world a bigger world um, and I, I, my worry is in a sense is that the more that we, if you like, close down the God question, or we sort of see this world as purely a kind of a material phenomenon, purely something that is, 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 is a kind of just produced by natural causes and so on that I think the less likely we are to see ourselves as really having agency in the world, really having uh, the ability to make a difference and to actually, you know, change things and, uh, and and ultimately, there is that question of whether, you know, it, it can ever change. You know, it, human nature, when you look at it, is pretty difficult. There, there's human nature tends to screw up and get things wrong. And uh, and I'm not and, and I see a lot of people who try their best to change the world, but end up 
getting really burned out, strung out and disillusioned because actually it feels like you're constantly pushing a rock up a hill because human nature is so flawed and broken. And again, for me, the Christian story answers that, that sense of hope. It, it gives us a kind of a foundation for goodness, for morality. It gives us a foundation for a hope and love as well in a way that I've I've struggled to find in a satisfactory way through any other worldview. I think other worldviews, when it's all down to us and the kind of hope that humans will kind of get better um, under their own steam, I just don't think that's been borne out by history or just when you look at the world as it is right now. And so for me, um, when I look at the Christian story and the history of Christianity, there's something about it that seems to say this works. Um, this has a tried and tested kind of uh, thing about it. And that alone might be enough to suggest someone, well, it's worth thinking about. It's worth, you know, considering as as potentially the thing that might make the difference to the world that, that you kind of want the way you want the world to be. Maybe maybe the world is that way, um, but that there's it's it's going to take a different kind of way of engaging with it to to get there. Hmm. That's good. Justin, I want to ask you a question that's kind of it's going to take me a while to get to the question, but I've been thinking about this interview and if I, you know, could talk to you about something, this would probably be something I would want to bring up with you. Um, you know, I noticed in your book, your newest book, you that book is endorsed by a variety of people. I mean, any you've got is it Bear Gorillas on there endorsing Bear, your book? Bear Grylls, yes, yeah, very Bear kindly Grylls. wrote a sentence for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got, uh, I think Tom Holland was one of them. And you've got people like Sean McDowell and uh, Frank Turek and um, N.T. Wright and Andy Stanley. I mean, just a wide variety of people. People listening may not even know who those people are. I know who they are. Um, you know, a wide gamut of secular thinkers, Christian thinkers, Christian thinkers who operate in different circles and sometimes they're critical of one another even and uh, you are familiar with cancel culture I mean I've read your book unbelievable it was fantastic um, some of the you know the feedback that I read about it was that it was like mere Christianity for this day and age I mean it was that thought-provoking I thought it was great um, but there was some criticism about you know your views on hell and um, different things on there and so you've received criticism personally as well and then recently I just in, I think it was in the last year I was watching a live show that you did with Tim Keller which was fantastic by the way um, and having him on your show and it was very thought-provoking and we'll put a link in the show notes um, and then he passed away and there was this huge outpouring of support that came uh, when he, he passed. Exactly, if I'm not mistaken, three years to the day that Ravi Zacharias passed away. And mm -hmm. it reminded me of mm -hmm. what had happened with Ravi. There was this huge outpouring and mm -hmm. then there was this, you know, about faith because of some things that came out mm -hmm. because of his broken mm -hmm. nature. And I'm just wondering, <laughs> how do you stay anchored and all of that, in 17 years, 20, around 20 years of ministry, of interviewing big names and having all sorts of different people that you've gotten to talk to, and having all of this stuff flung at you, I'm sure there's a lot of ups and downs associated with the ministry that you've done. 
Um, before we started, you know, I always pray with my guests. I prayed for a hedge of protection around your family because it does not come without a cost. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, you have people who share beautiful things who get caught up in those waves. So I'm just wondering, what is it that keeps you anchored and how do you deal with the cancel culture that swirls around the church and sometimes infiltrates the church? How do you, how do you deal with all that? I'd love mm. to... I know that's a loaded well, question. Yeah, no, it's 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 a great question though. I think I think we're all dealing with a lot more than we used to because of social media and the sense that we're all far more connected, but also disconnected because we're kind of all talking to each other without, you know, the real human connection that you really need to kind of get along and, and understand someone these days. So I think it's it's really difficult sometimes. And and the church has faced, you know, some real difficult times recently you mentioned the Ravi Zacharias scandal and you know that was right in the ballpark of the area I've worked in for years Christian apologetics he was this huge figure towering figure really in that world and his whole ministry kind of imploded really after his death because of all these um very you know tragic um um well evidences that came out about his mistreatment sexual abuse spiritual abuse and so on and he's not the only Christian sort of well-known Christian celebrity pastor and so on who's had similar things happen in the last several years and I think it all reminds me with that alongside kind of you know all the infighting that you can see between Christians and so on um, it reminds me that we live in a very broken world and the church itself is a broken church um, to that extent I suppose my hope my anchor in all of that comes from the fact that we have the most extraordinary person at the center of it. And that is Jesus. It's, it's not Ravi Zacharias. It's not Tim Keller. I mean, I love Tim Keller, but my faith is yeah. in Christianity. My faith is not in Tim Keller. It's in Jesus. And I believe so is his. And I think when you do see examples of lives that do feel and look like Jesus, in the end that do have good testimony it's it's the ones where actually they weren't so concerned about what the world thought of them or their status but they were concerned about what jesus thought of them and the for me um the the goodness of jesus always outweighs the brokenness of his church and you just have to accept that that is the way it is you will never have a perfect church because humans are human and as soon as you join the church it will become imperfect by definition because you're part of it and <laughs> to, to that yeah. extent you know that for me is also the antidote to cancel culture in a way because it's because of that nature of us as humans in the church that's why we need grace that's why we need constant forgiveness constantly to be given another chance, constant repentance, constant coming back to the source of it all, constant humility to know that we do not have all the answers. Um, and and the, that's in a sense is the, the, the hope is, is the challenge of the brokenness of the world and the church is also that the hope that it gives me that actually, goodness me, if it was just down to us, if, you know, you know, if the atheists are right and all we've got is each other and our brokenness, I would despair because it's not going to get any better. 
But I don't believe that. I believe that actually we have been given this extraordinary grace and love uh, that has transformed, you know, countless people. They're still human. They're still broken, but they're they're kind of beautifully broken when they put their faith in Jesus. And for me, that's that is always at the center of of of, of my hope is is that um, there's a God who knows what he's doing and a God who has made himself known to us in Jesus Christ. And as long as that somehow remains central, whatever else is going on around us, you know, um, you can't, you can't cancel (laughs) grace. It's kind of, it's there. It will always be there. Whether the church is going up or down, spinning around, having meltdowns or, you know, seeing the kingdom come. um, The good news is that, 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 you know, at the centre of it is is a God who never changes, and a Jesus who who remains the same, and is is kind of the, at the centre of it all. So for me, that's that's always got to be at, at the very centre of it. Yeah, that's so good. And what I hear you saying is to avoid that idol worship, which you've had plenty of opportunities to do. I mean, you've had uh, Philip Yancey. I mean, he endorsed your book too. I love Philip Yancey, by the way. Um, And Tim Keller, all these guys, you know, these people that you've, you've gotten to meet over the years, even Richard Dawkins, you know, to not put Mm. people up on a pedestal Mm. that takes a very conscious effort to make sure that front and center, um, who you're really focused on. And it's, it's so important, you know, it's as easy as in any walk of life, in the you know christian world you, we we have our own celebrities and measures of success and everything else and and it's very easy to to kind of if you enjoy some measure of success to start to believe your own hype and you know to, and and it's so important that you don't believe your own hype it's so in that sense it's so important to be grounded yeah. um i think one of the the great dangers in a sense one of the lessons i think that has been taken away from some of these sad cases of uh, celebrity pastors who have fallen you know ministries that have collapsed and so on is that very often they weren't ultimately it felt like they 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 weren't grounded in just the normal everyday of christian discipleship and vocation and living in community when you start to live sort of at a slightly different level to everyone else i think there's a huge danger that you somehow regard yourself as the exception and it's so easy then, as you know, scripture says, for, for the devil to get a foothold. And for me, it's um hugely important. I, I'm aware, you know, I'm 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 a a tiny thing compared to, you know, the the C.S. Lewis's and Tim Keller's and so on of this world. But the even even with the measure of sort of influence I've been able to enjoy uh mm-hmm. in Christian apologetics and so on, I'm really aware that it comes with all kinds of temptations and um often which are dressed up as kind of, you know, good things, but can themselves become slightly idolatrous. And I'm really grateful that I have um, a family who keep me very down to earth and grounded, (laughs) a a local church where I'm not, you know, Mr. Special Super Apologist guy. I'm just Justin who, you know, helps with the youth group and helps to fix the, the computer when it's not working and, you know, and whatever, and is, and I'm just around normal everyday Christians who are just trying to do their best in the world. And I think that's quite important that you don't lose that sense of grounding because that's where most people are. And, um, and if you become this sort of slightly distant 
floating two feet above the brown kind of pasta figure it i can understand why why you know that it's so easy to kind of be to end up on a pedestal which it's so easy to fall off in the end um so yeah i i think there's there's a lot of lessons we've learned in the last few years that that, that i'm trying to make sure i put into practice in my life going forward thank you for answering that question i really appreciate it um how can people find out more about your book and about your ministry what's the best place where's the best place to find you well, my website is a good place to go, um, justinbriarly.com. And you can pre-order the book there, uh, or by the time this goes out, probably order it and receive it fairly swiftly. Um, there's even signed copies of the book available from my website if, if people want that. Uh, so justinbriarly.com. And if you sign up to my newsletter while you're there, you'll kind of be kept abreast of other projects that I'm involved in. I'm um, launching a new podcast documentary series based on the book. Um, so look out for that as well. And I'm also involved in other podcast projects and videos and things. So the website and newsletter and the book all at justinbriley.com. Yeah. And you also have a Patreon community where people that love what you're doing can help support what you're doing. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. So there are links there again to that. If both want to support me on this new transition, this new phase, this post unbelievable part of my, my life, um, that is very welcome as well. Um, because, uh, yeah, I've, I'm really feeling like Janelle, there's, there's lots um, that there's so much potential out there. I'm, I'm really sort of God's been really good. There's been a, an amazing number of opportunities, but uh, but uh, I can't do it all by myself. So, you know, trying to raise funds to bring in some help and make yes. sure that, you know, we can try and do some of this stuff with in collaboration with others as well. Yes. Yeah, it's so important. Final question. Always ask the same question here. The Finding Something Real podcast, Justin, it's about a journey towards restoration eternity, authenticity, and love of those four gifts that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ, restoration, eternity, authenticity, or love, which of those stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? Wow. Gosh. Um, I think, I think the one that's standing out to me is, is, is maybe restoration. Um, kind of going back to the the grace thing we were talking about earlier um and the cancel culture thing that kind of exists in our culture um the church needs to be that place where where council culture gets cancelled in a sense because it's it has to be a place where we can be ourselves where we can come with all our faults and hang-ups and questions and doubts and and find you know that love and that sort of community and that willingness to be heard and 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 so on and the restoration piece i think comes there because it's only when we can kind of lay ourselves out that that god can do something where we we're given back our identity and our dignity and and everything else so so for me the story of the book in a way is about restoring the christian story in a sense but it's not just about let's try and get people to go to church again that that wouldn't be a very sort of interesting kind of outcome necessarily of 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 what this is about it's about restoring a sense of people's true identity as people who are created by god for a purpose a part of a big cosmic drama that is bigger than any of these small stories we could tell and more far more exciting and and to restore a sense of who we are as humans and 
the you know the plans and purposes god has for us uh so for me of the of the the different things you mentioned there i think restoration is one where i'm hoping that that we will see people restored to the full sense of who they are in god uh as they rediscover the christian story again amen justin Briarly, thank you for being here again today you're still one of our favorite guests until next time thank you so much janelle Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that. But if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with him. Until next time.